Welcome to the Colonial Church STA podcast. The vision of Colonial Church is to build an exciting, vibrant, Bible-based church right here in the heart of St. Augustine, Florida. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. Psalm 30. Psalm 30. Did you bring your Bible to church this morning? Oh, there's nothing sweeter than the sound of Bible pages turning on a Sunday morning. Psalm 30, a Davidic psalm, verse 1. I will extol the Lord. I will extol you, O Lord. For you have drawn me up, and you have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought me up. You've brought my soul up from Sheol. That's the Hebrew word for hell or the pit, place we don't want to go, place we don't want to be, the pit, Sheol. Sing praises to the Lord, O you, his saints, for his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. Everybody say lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Verse 6, as for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved by your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry. And to the Lord, I plead for mercy. What profit is there in death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, be merciful to me. O Lord, my helper, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. Thank God we're not a silent church. God inhabits the praises of His people, amen? We will always be a praising, loud church. Annoyingly loud, just kidding. Not annoyingly loud, but we sing praises. We won't be silent. Oh Lord my God, I will give thanks to You forever. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank You right now, Father, for the power of Your Word. Father, thank you that it has the power to change our lives, Lord. It, it molds us, it shapes us, it moves us, it, it helps us adapt our walk with you, Lord. Our very Christianity, Father, is based on your word. So, Lord, we thank you for it, Lord, as we come under the preaching and the teaching of the word this morning, Lord. Father, I just pray that it would go out and thank you that it does not return void. God, we just thank you that you love your people. You cause your face to shine upon them, Lord, and we get to be brought up, like David said in your word. So, Father, I pray for an amazing morning to continue in church. We pray your Holy Spirit would be with us and the whole church said together, Amen. Amen. I love this psalm. I love the psalms just in general. There's so much goodness in the psalms. There's so much reality in the psalms as well. There's reality, there's ups and downs, especially with the psalms that David wrote. But I want to talk this morning about this idea or this truth in history with God called favoritism. If you're looking for a title this morning, the title of my message is The King's Favorite. The King's Favorite. See, we all have favorites in life. I was just sort of studying and meditating on, the, on that this week, but we all have favorites. If you look at any part of life, we all have favorites. We have favorite foods. We have favorite clothing. We have favorite hobbies, things that we like to do. I mean, there are lots of churches out there in the world. I'm grateful, and hopefully you're grateful too, that 
Jill and I, we have a relational community all over the world of people that are doing amazing things of God that are part of different churches. I mean, I've got lots of churches out there that I like in the world today, but my favorite is Colonial Church. Anyone else? Their favorite church is Colonial Church. I'm glad I'm not the only one, because that would be weird. It's my favorite church. But we have this thing called favorites. I wonder if anyone remembers that obsession that swept through high school um, with the basketball cards. Do you remember that? You remember the basketball cards? Come on, this is America. I grew up in Australia, and it swept through Australian high schools. But those cards, they sort of came through schools, and it was just like, man, everyone had basketball cards. Everyone at lunch was trading basketball cards, but everyone had their favorite card. Everyone had their favorite set of cards that was their favorite team. Some of the, some of the best cards, you know, were the Michael Jordan cards. And it was almost like if you had that particular card, you were the celebrity in school. Forget about Jordan being Jordan. It was kind of, if you had that card in your school, it was like you picked up the celebrity status, which is weird to me. But it was such a thing, wasn't it? I remember when I had one of my friends just talking about this one card that he had. I think it was a Charles Barkley card. And uh, he would just wave it in front of the group and just be like, guys, guys, look at this card. He's like, one day you're going to be able to buy a house with this card. It's going to be worth so much money. You're going to be able to buy a house with this card. And so this week I actually Googled the value of these cards now, see, what see what's going on, just get, kind of get up to date. And I found this. A 1986 Fleer basketball set, a signed complete set of 144 cards, is listed for $149,000. I mean, that's a deposit on a home, I suppose, around here. I don't, know, I don't really know, but it's uh, still, it's a lot of money. But growing up in, in the country that I grew up in, Australia, it wasn't necessarily the basketball cards, it was the rugby cards. We played rugby growing up and, you know, compared to football in America, it's much more aggressive, okay, a lot of pads. You can tell, I, obviously you can tell I played rugby. <laughs> Why are you laughing? But we had rugby league cards and I can still remember to this day, the day I got my favorite player card. We get the little packets and had the, the bubble gum in it. You know, I still remember you get three cards and guaranteed one of those cards was completely useless card. Didn't, no one cared about that card. It was some guy that never played, you know, basically retired and sort of no one knew about him. But I still remember my own favorite player. Peter Sterling, he played for the Parramatta Eels, number seven. He was like this amazing player, but he was my favorite. But it's funny how despite how rare people's cards were in the school high school, despite how rare they were or good they were or how much value that the world placed on them, everyone had their favorites. Everyone had their favorite team. Everyone had their favorite player. Everyone had a personal selection. Everyone favored someone. And you see, personal selection or having a favorite or favoring something, that's a God-given thing. God gives us the ability to choose. God gives us the ability to have a free will and to be able to choose what we like. See, it's all part of God's gift to us, this thing called choice. But you know that God had his own favorites. In the Old Testament, there were many times where God would put his favor on people. You had the law, 
and the law existed so people would have the parameters to live by. And if you live within the parameters and you did the stuff and you did the thing and you, you walked the talk and you looked right and everything was good and you, you, you ticked off all the boxes, that was a way to show your love towards God. But at times, God would put his favor on people. I mean, you go back as far as Adam and I mean, God obviously favored Adam. There was no one else to select. <laughs> it was just Adam. Talk about a personal favorite. It's like there's one kid standing in the line for the basketball game. It's just like, well, I guess I've got to take you. There's no one else. But he was a personal favorite. But you look at Abraham. God personally selected Abraham, put his favor on Abraham. And you look at the way that God installed the kings and he installed the prophets. He would put his favor on them. He selected them. He had a favorite. It was kind of amazing, but you look at King David. David's described in Scripture as having a heart that was after God, that he had a heart that loved God. But if you look at David's predecessor, Saul, God selected him. God put favor on him. God favored him, but God also removed his favor from Saul. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, it says this, The word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry and he cried to the Lord all night. See, Samuel, he was rejected by God. God took his favor off Saul. Who's thankful that today in the New Covenant, New Testament life that we live on this side of the cross, there's no more removing favor from us. Because of Jesus, we have God's favor. In fact, in Scripture, it talks about what favor looks like from a king. In Proverbs 19, in verse 12, I love it because it's a beautiful way to describe this favor. It says, the king's wrath is as the roaring of a lion. But listen to it. But his favor is as dew on the grass. In other translations, is like the dew on the morning grass. You see, I'm a little bit of a lawn freak. I love my lawn. I just love doing yard. Does anyone else love doing yard work or is that just me? Is that a phenomenon that just exists for me? There's some hands. A few of the production boys up there, they love. I just love doing my lawn. It's just like this personal thing that God has given me. It just wraps it up and it's in front of my house. I just love it. I'm thinking about it all the time. I'm wondering what's happening. I'm standing in the street talking to neighbors about the amount of rainfall we've had and whether or not that then lends itself to, to potentially some fungus on my lawn, which I've got to address. And if that happens, then there could potentially be some, some bugs that find their way into my... I just love it. But I love this description in the book of Proverbs. It says it's like dew on the morning grass. See, through this weird obsession that I have with my lawn, I know the difference between when my lawn has been rained on versus when there's dew on it. See, when there's rain on the lawn, it sits on the top layer. And if the grass is long enough, it sits on the very top. And as the sun comes up, it begins to dry out. But dew goes all the way to the bottom of the blades and onto the ground. It's different. A king's favor is like the dew on the morning grass. Listen to what this commentary says. I read it this week and I just want to read it out to you. It says, His favor is as dew upon the grass, which refreshes and revives the grass. It causes it to grow and to flourish. And so the favor and goodwill of a king to his subjects delights them. It causes joy, cheerfulness. See, that's the thing about New Testament favor that we have from God. It causes us to grow. 
Come on, church. It causes us to be highly favored. It causes us to flourish, to be revived, to be refreshed. It causes delight, joy, cheerfulness. It's wonderful. God's favor is like dew on the grass. It's everywhere. It's on everything. Everywhere you step, everywhere you stand, it's covered. See, today's reality, and I'd love it if you could write this down this morning. God's favor is spelt this way. Write this spelling down. This is God's favor. G-R-A-C-E. You want to know what God's favor looks for your life? It's grace. (laughs) That's how you spell favor. G-R-A-C-E, 2018. See, that's the thing about favor. I love this quote that my pastor says. Favor is the way that God sees you. He sees you through a lens of grace. He sees you through a lens of grace. i got a few things for us this morning. Point number one about God's favor that we need to understand. Point number one about God's favor, it rests on you. God's favor, which is his grace, it rests on you. It's effortless. It doesn't require us to work for it. In fact, if we worked for it, nothing would change about it. Nothing would change if we worked for it. We're just wasting our own time. We're just wasting our own energy if we work for God's favor. It's simply a waste of time. In Proverbs 8 and verse 34, it says, Blessed is the one who listens to me. And obviously, this is wisdom speaking. It's, it's, and if, if you're looking for a, a personality of wisdom, you can look no further than Jesus because Jesus is perfected in wisdom. So therefore, it is God. So blessed is the one who listens to me, God watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. Listen to it in verse 35. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. I wonder if you see your life as something highly favored by God. I wonder if you see favor for your own life as something that you have obtained. Do you see God's favor as something that you possess? I want to look at my life and just know that God has blessed me because I have Jesus. And so therefore, I walk in the grace that he has for me, which means that I'm highly favored. It means I don't need to work for it. And if I've found God, if I've found Jesus, that means I've found life and I've obtained favor from the Lord. I don't need to work for it. I possess it. It's in my possession. Think about it this way. It's mine. It's yours. We have it. How many Christians live with the opposite mindset? Not sure about whether or not we possess it. Unsure and allowing doubt to creep in that maybe the favor of God is on my life. Maybe the favor of God is on my family. Maybe the favor of God is on my career. When the truth is, it is. God's telling us today, you've obtained it. If you have Jesus, I look at you through the lens of grace. You're highly favored by me. Amen? Come on, can I get an amen in the house this morning? I love this concept of God's grace, his favor resting on us. It rests on you. To think that we have to work for it is kind of crazy when you think about it. So many people think that God sees us through a lens of anger. But the thing is, God sees us through a lens of grace, which means he's not angry with us. He's pleased with us. A lot of people think that God looks at them through a lens of disappointment. 
Like somehow we failed him, but God sees us through a lens of grace, so we're not a disappointment. We're not a failure. We don't even just get a passing grade, but we're a star student to God. We're a star student. We're top of the class. He's not discontent with us. He looks through a lens of grace. Going back to Psalm 30, look at it in verse 5. It says, For his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. God's favor rests on you for life, forever. Just look, look at me for a moment this way. Just look at me. I want to speak directly into your life. God's favor is on you for life, which means today, friend, there's longevity attached to that. There's longevity that's attached to that. When we're inconsistent, God's favor is not inconsistent. It's consistent. When, when, we're, when we don't persist, God's favor will persist. When we stop, God's favor keeps going. When we find ourselves in a place where we're like, man, I can't do it anymore. It's okay because favor is still there for us. Favor still exists. His favor is for a lifetime. Point number two. Is this preaching to anyone this morning? Point number two. God's favor, it covers you. It rests on you which means you don't have to work for it, but it covers you in all areas. I remember once as I, as I was probably 18 or 19, I went on my first like major surf trip. Uh, I was with my buddies. I, was, I actually was not with my buddies. They were on a different flight, but we were heading to Indonesia. This was my first ever overseas surf trip. We are going to the Mentawai Islands, which is like this archipelago in Indonesia, and it's really kind of a crazy place. It's really cool to go to, and you can take a boat from the mainland out to these islands. You can spend like weeks, if you want, traveling around on boats and surfing these waves. And I remember starting off on this trip, and I, man, the, the built-in excitement, the pent-up excitement in me was just like raging. Like so much so, I think like I, I, I shaved a mohawk on my head the day before I, went, before I went to the airport. It was just like I was just in a different frame of mind. I was so pumped to go on this surf trip. But I was flying this airline because at the time I was 19 and, you know, I wanted to be a good steward, which simply means I was being cheap. So I, uh, I bought a cheaper flight. And while everyone else was going on Garuda Air, which is, you know, the premium airline, I went on Air Indonesia, <laughs> which, for everyone's benefit, does not exist today. <laughs> and I found out why. I went on this surf trip and went to the airport and I was so excited. I had my board bag and I had my stuff. I was ready to go. I pull up at the counter and they're like, sorry, the flight's canceled. And I was like, what? what? Sorry, say it again. Like, flight's canceled. I was like, cool, when's the next one leaving? She's like, there isn't another one leaving. I was like, the, the airline's having some problems and... Uh, there's no more flights from Sydney to Denpasar, Indonesia. I was like, it's not like you're going from state to state. You're going to another country. And I'd paid all this money and all this stuff. And so I said to the lady, I was like, cool, we'll, we'll just, just um, you know, I know Garuda's flying there. All my buddies are on that plane over there. So can you just transfer my ticket to them? And they're like, <laughs> that's really funny. No. And I was like, what am I going to do? I'm here, I've got all my stuff, my board bag. I think I rented out my house to go on this trip. Like, I've got a mohawk. Come on, help me. 
And she said this, she said, well, unless you have insurance cover, nothing I can do for you. Because if you have insurance cover, then you'll get reimbursed and we can do that transaction right here and I can put you on that flight. And I remember at the time thinking, I have no idea if I have insurance or not. But I looked into it a little bit more and did a little digging into my emails and found that I'd actually purchased travel insurance. And they put me on the flight and it was this big crazy thing, but I got there in the end. But I was covered. I was covered. So even though I had this happening, even though there was a serious problem going, in my, going on in my life, which when you boil down to it, it wasn't that big of a deal. But when you're 18, 19, you really had no travel experience at all. You are freaking out. But as I looked into it, I was covered. So everything was fine. Everything was going to work out. See, that's the thing about God's favor on your life. It covers you. That's the thing about grace in our lives. Even though you might be going through a challenge or a difficulty, friend, can I encourage you? You have coverage. You can move forward into the next season. You can even move forward in that season through the difficulty because you're covered by grace. See, that's the thing about favor today. It covers you. It empowers you. It's actually designed that you would be empowered to operate in the grace zone because of favor. That you could actually do the things that you need to do in your life because God has favored you to be able to do those things. To operate in your grace zone to the best of your abilities. You know, favor covers you like dew. But I think about that coverage. I think about that what that would look like. I think about Samuel anointing David with oil. And I don't think, and I know this isn't in Scripture, so I'm just sort of, this is my imagination speaking, but I don't imagine him calling out David from the field, getting him in the presence of his brothers, all these other people who were sitting there thinking, wow, am I going to be king? It was actually David. See, I don't think he got there and in the presence of his brothers, he got him, made him get down on his knee and just sprinkled a little bit of oil on his head. Just wanted to conserve as much oil as possible. I see it as like Samuel just grabbing a jug. A jug full of oil. So much oil, like a massive jug of oil. And saying, son, get on your knees. I'm about to anoint you to be king. And he just dumps that, that jar of oil all over that kid. All over him. It goes from the top of his head. Covers his face. Covers the back of his face. Runs all over him. Over his shoulders. Over his whole body. See, it wasn't just a little sprinkle. He was soaked in the favor of God. That's the picture that God has for us today, friend. If you think for a moment, doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, doesn't matter how short a time you've been a Christian, God's favor is like that. Once you say yes to Jesus, once you are overcome by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's like that oil is just poured over your life. See, so many Christians, they walk with a limp in life, I believe, because they think there's just a tiny little sprinkle, just a little sprinkle from time to time. You've been good today? Okay, here's a little sprinkle of God's favor. Uh-uh. When you said yes to Jesus, it was just like God said, get on your knees, son. Get ready for this. That's God's favor for your life. And the third thing about God's favor is this. So it rests on you. It covers your life. And number three, God's favor, it goes out from you. See, it's on your life, it's covering your life, it's in your life, it's everywhere in your life, but it also goes out from you. 
See, it's evident to other people. People can see God's favor on your life. I wonder if you even thought about that today. I wonder if you've ever considered God's favor actually has an impact on the world around you, on the people that exist in your sphere. See, when you walk in the favor of God, when you operate in grace as a Christian, people will begin to see God's favor on your life. Many times in the Bible, it talks about favor, but it speaks about favor specifically being in the view of other people. Exodus 33, I think we're going to put it up on the screen. And the Lord said to Moses, the very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. But look at Proverbs chapter 3. It says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for the length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart and listen to it. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of man. Sorry, God and man. Favor and success in the sight of God and man. When God was raising up Egypt, sorry, when God was raising up the people of God in Egypt to do this amazing work, he says it many times, I will favor you and the Egyptians will see it. They will see my favor on your life and that will have an impact on them. See, the reason that God hardened Pharaoh's heart was not because he wanted to do an exercise in science. He wanted to show people what favor looked like. He wanted to show the world what it looks like when you serve the King of Kings. The impact that it will have. In Exodus 3 verse 21 says, I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed towards this people. So that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. Exodus three, sorry, Exodus eleven, verse three says, "And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people." I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. God's favor on me is attractive to others. It's attractive to other people. Whether you like it or not, it just is. It has an impact on other people. It changes the way that people see God when they see God's favor on you. I love that saying, what gives God a bad name? Christians. But when God's favor is on your life, when you're operating in your grace zone, when you're operating in the grace that God has given you, which is our New Testament favor, People are impacted. People are changed. People come into contact with you. And all of a sudden, it's just like, what is going on? My perception of God looked like this. But then this person is over here talking to me about God like this. What a change. What an impact. God's favor on you has an impact and is attractive to others. It goes out and it draws people in. See, a big question today that a lot of people, I think, want to ask is, can you increase in God's favor? Can we walk more in God's favor? See, I believe it's like the jar of oil, that picture that I gave. I believe there's enough grace for every single one of us. Whatever season we're in, I don't think we need to work for it, but I've got three things that the enemy wants us to believe about favor, and I want you to write them down. The first is this, it's patchy. The enemy wants you to believe that God's favor on your life is patchy, that it comes and it goes. That in the right week, it's here. In the wrong week, it's gone. 
some kind of here today, gone tomorrow mindset. Something happens, so I'm left wondering today, am I actually favored or am I not? The enemy loves to use doubt, friends. He loves doubt. That's his number one currency. He tries to find his wedge in, and sometimes we as Christians, we let the door open for him. But we need to shut those doors and remember that favor is not patchy. Favor is not patchy on your life. The second thing that he wants us to believe, the enemy wants us to believe, is that it's patchy, which means that I then have to work for it. That if I want God's favor, then I've got to start working for it. That somehow if I work really, really hard, I can maintain or retain God's favor on my life. But it's the, actu- it's the actual opposite mentality. The less we do, the more we understand it's God, it's power, it's not mine. I met one, one person one time and they said, you know, I want to know exactly where my blessing comes from. I want to know exactly, I want to be able to trace back my blessing to the work that I did. I want to be able to trace back exactly so I can, I can somehow attribute that to something that I did or something that I put in place and I just laughed. I just laughed at him and I was like, dude, I'm sorry, man. You're talking about a different kingdom because nothing about this thing called favor is anything to do with you. Nothing about this thing called grace has anything to do with you. You just show up at the finishing line and take the gold medal, friend. That's what favor is. We don't do anything for it, but the enemy wants us to believe that we have to work for it. And the third thing is this, about favor. That somehow it's for others and not for me. This is a big one, friends. That it's for other people, it's for more spiritual people, it's for more religious people, it's for... That, that I can somehow get favor if I have association with the right people. That I can kind of up my favor status, get higher on the list if I hang out with the right people. But this mindset that it's for other people and that surely not there's a God in heaven, there's a Prince of Peace, there's a King of Kings that actually favors me, that actually has personally selected me that actually has me on their card that they carry around, that there's a God in heaven, just like I talked about with the basketball cards, that has his complete set and it has my name on it, that has my face on it. That means that I'm favored by God. See, here's the thing, church. That thinking, that mindset cannot exist for us as believers Because it simply contradicts what New Testament Scripture tells us. We are just favored. If you have Jesus in your life, therefore you have grace. And grace is today's favor. He prefers you. He selects you. He wants you. Which means He will cover you. He will rest on you. He will fill you. He will spread His favor throughout your life. As the team comes back up, here's the kicker for us today. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. Peter writes these words down. That we as the church will have forever. It says this, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
a people for His own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Would you stand with me this morning? You received that word this morning? See, God made a choice with you, friend. He chose you. And He wants you to know today that you're highly favored. That He chose you. That He selected you. That He actually loves you so much that you're His favorite. See, the thing about God that sometimes can be something that we don't understand is God can have a lot of favorites. He doesn't just have to have one, but He can have many favorites, and He's got many favorites. It's called His family. You know, I want to finish with a story. But a few years into me being saved, I think I might have even shared something like this before or some snippet of this story, but I was probably going to church for about a year or two. I was early on in my walk with God. But I was showing up week after week, going to church. Sunday morning, I drive, put some nice clothes on (laughs) so I looked kind of presentable. I'd go to church, my church, Hillsong Church, in the suburbs of Sydney. And I'd sit about three rows back from the pastor. Same seat every single week. And I'd sit there. And then this one week, I was going through the motions. I was doing the thing. It was the same as normal, pretty much. Church was always awesome, but it was just a, it was a Sunday. And I remember going down through the, the minute mingle time, which they had sort of called something different, but it was just the connection time with people in church. And I went down and I said hi to people like I always do. It was like coming home every week. It was like family. Bear hugs and high fives and people just loving on people. I'll never forget this one time that the college... The, the Bible college director, a pastor, his name's Mark Hopkins, just grabbed me. And he was kind of this, he's kind of this guy. He's real big. Like real big. And he just grabs me. Gives me this bear hug that I'll never forget. Probably because I nearly died. Because he was squeezing me so hard. He grabs me and he just lifts me up and gives me this bear hug. And he says, you're a highly favored son of the house. you and that's me every single one of us highly favored by God every single one of us chosen his possession I wonder if you understand that today I wonder if you understand that God chose you because if we could understand that could you imagine how differently we would walk every day how much we would walk into rooms of people with our chest up and our shoulders back, not in an arrogant way, but just knowing we're favored by God. God can do a miracle here. Walk into a boardroom for a business meeting, highly favored. Walk into the hospital to see a doctor, highly favored. Walk into any place, a restaurant, to see some people, you are highly favored, whatever the situation. Apply it any way you want across the breadth of your life. God has favored you. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me? Lord, we just thank you right now, Father, that you love us.
that you've called us, that you've chosen us, God. Father, I just pray in a fresh way this morning, Lord, that people would understand, God, that you love them, that there was once a time when you would reach down and you would put your favor on people, but because of Jesus, because of the cross, because of this new covenant, new relationship we've celebrated today, because we operate in that grace, Lord, thank you that we can live every day knowing that you've favored us, that you love us, that you've called us. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We would love to connect with you. Join us on Sundays at church or visit us at www.colonialchurch.life.